Hallo, ons is Kruislaaf en ons wil jou graag help om Jesus' onvoorwaardelike liefde en genade te ontdek. Ons vertrouw dat hierdie boodskap jou reiklik sal zien. I want to start off with the statement like, if you're not growing, you're dying. And uh, if you're not growing, you're definitely not walking in your purpose. So I want to talk a bit about purpose this morning, because we all have a purpose. doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, everyone's got a purpose. And uh, if you look at um, us as a church, as a ministry, uh, we're in Selenbosch, we're in Tigerberg, we're in Rondebosch, we're here, we're in Solaris Pass, Albania, and some, uh, we've got a grace group in uh, Four Ways in Johannesburg, and we've all got the same purpose as a, as a church, and it's come out quite clearly just from the announcements and from Marna's greeting, and that is that we want to reach the lost, we want to build community, we want to make disciples, and uh, all of that kind of fits together, and every single one of us is a part of that, and that's part of our purpose, but I want to look at our purpose as a Christian our purpose as individuals and together. We're going to touch on a few things with that. So think about for a moment, what's your purpose? Okay? And I want to read this uh, uh, paragraph I found. It says, The greatest tragedy in life is not death, it's life without purpose. And I'm sure some of you have experienced that. You know, when there's a purpose, purposeless, when there's no purpose to something, <laughs> you know, it really can be just demoralizing and defeating. I've, uh, 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 even in, you know, there's always purpose maybe to a conversation in that it's relationship building, but sometimes there's conversation which just has no purpose, and I, I have to really put a bit of effort to be invo- engaged in those conversations. <laughs> because it's not that easy for me because I, w- I want to be, you know, doing things on purpose. I don't just want to be talking about things that, the weather. I'll use the weather to, to connect with someone, but then, then let's leave the weather behind and talk about other things, you know. Now someone's going to talk about the weather after this. Uh, but, you know, once you, dif- you discover your purpose, uh, uh, then, then it kind of gives you direction. It gives you a focus. It gives you a drive to be able to move in a direction. And, um, you know, without that, your life is really just an experiment. It's just kind of like whatever happens, pinball machine. You know, you pull the thing back and the, pin, the ball goes all over the machine and it's all just according to chance. It doesn't actually end up going anywhere you want it to go except when it comes down to the little lever and you push that button and the lever pushes it but as soon as you let go of it, whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera, right? So let, let's, let's, let's think about this in a different uh, way. Uh, um, what do you want people to say at your funeral one day? Let's think of it from a different angle. What, this question, I remember being confronted with it in 2002. And this shaped the rest of my life, really, because I started to think about what do I want people to say about me at my funeral? You know, and that's quite a challenging thought, especially for uh, however old I was, uh, almost 20-year-old at that stage. It's a challenging thought. What do you want the Father to say when you walk into heaven? <laughs> you know, I, because you're a child of God, by grace through faith, not performance, by grace through faith, you are guaranteed, welcome home, my child. Welcome home, my son. Welcome home, my daughter. And that's, that's, that's good enough. 
It's awesome. But there will be some who get the welcome, uh, uh, what is it? Welcome, well, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your, your, your Lord. Which one do you want? Because you, you automatically get welcome home, my child, but not everyone's going to get a well done, good and faithful servant. There was some rugby player a few years back that passed away, Christian, and uh, uh, I remember one of my Facebook friends um, who uh, 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 is across country, they posted about it and they said, you know, let them enjoy their well done, good and faithful servant. And I, I didn't enjoy that, 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 <laughs> that post too much because I was like, what, what makes him deserve well done, good and faithful servant just because he played for the Springboks? You can play for the Springboks and miss your purpose. <laughs> you can be a good businessman and miss your purpose. You know, I remember uh, 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 one of the, the members in Stellenbosch talking to me about how he's building this business and this is his purpose in life and he's just excited about building this successful business. And um, I very nicely said to him, you know it's going to burn one day. <laughs> I was like, you can't take your business with you to heaven. It's not going to heaven with you. you don't have, there's no such thing as a Christian business. A business can't get saved. It can have Christians working in it, Christians running it, but then what? Yeah, and, and he didn't like that too much. Not too sure why, but the, <laughs> the point is, is that like, we've got to look at what counts. So let's, you know, let's look at well done, good and faithful servant for a moment. Well done means you did something worthy of recognition. Well done means you did something worthy of recognition. My servant means you served his purposes, not yours and not anybody else's. So in this life, we've got to make a decision of who are we living for. Is it someone else's plan, our plan, or God's plan? And then he says, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful speaks about how you did it, not just what you did. Okay, so here's the thing. You can get a welcome uh, a home, good and faithful servant, or you can get a welcome home, my child. But are you living in a way that warrants welcome, a well done, good and faithful servant? Are you living in a way that warrants that, that will attract that? Because even just the idea of enter into your Lord's joy, the, the, the second part of that verse, it, it's, it's, it raises the question of am I doing what He wants or am I doing what I want? And uh, uh, we're going to look at this a bit because we have to consider, is my Christianity for me? Is it about me or what's it about? Okay, is the purpose of life, to, if the purpose of life is to be a child of God, let's say, then uh, what is the purpose of being a child of God? What is the purpose of Christianity? Think about it. Don't answer out loud. <laughs> Just in case you're wrong. But think about it for a moment. What is the purpose of Christianity? <clears throat> if you've been in Grace Life for any period of time, the, the, the answer would rise up quickly. It's relationship with God. What is the purpose of relationship with God? You know, we, we need to think about these things. Okay? The aim of Christianity, if, uh, 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 if Christianity is all about relationship with God, then what is it for? What is the outcome of that? And do we see that it demonstrated in the New Testament what we've made Christianity about? 
If you think, think about the book of Acts. If you've never read the book of Acts, go read it this week and think about what is Christianity according to the book of Acts. And I'm not talking about rituals, and I'm not talking about what they did in church or what they didn't do in church. I'm talking about how they lived. How did the early church live? If the aim of Christianity is to be in right relationship with God, then for what? <laughs> Why? Yeah, is it to, to enjoy uh, talking to Him in your prayer closet? Is that it? Why? You know, we, we had a bri uh, yesterday, and uh, uh, my eldest, William, uh, uh, said to me, and this is because um, we, uh, uh, obviously, what we're talking about, and what we're focused on, and we're going on the mission, and things like this, so this is what kids pick up on, but also, um, uh, I was thinking about it in the car on the way here, we were, uh, Marna was reading uh, uh, to them, uh, God Smuggler, by Brother Andrew. If you want to raise world changers, and if you want to be a world changer, then read something like God Smuggler and switch Netflix off. <laughs> you know, because uh, this is something that's like getting us all excited as a family. And he said to me yesterday, he said, Dad, the, I think the whole purpose of Christ, to be a Christian is to reach the world. He said something like that. And I said to him, no, it's not. <laughs> he was busy running out the bra room. And I said, no, 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 come back. And we started speaking about it. And I said... You know, it blessed me that, that that's kind of what he came up with, and it's not completely wrong, but Christianity is not even about reaching people, as important as that is. We've got to kind of look at this and, and decide what is, know what it's about, because um, your view of something is going to determine your experience of it. Why do you read the Bible? Because it makes me feel good. <laughs> There's parts that you can read that won't make you feel good. I've got them in my notes this morning. <laughs> you know, like, why do you, why do you pray in the morning? So that I can have a good day. You know, if I miss a day of prayer in the morning, I have a great day. Because God doesn't come because I pray. <laughs> He's always with me. Okay, so, so you've got to figure out why do we do what we do. So John 3.16. The, the, I've got the verses up here uh, for you. The New Living Translation <clears throat> says, For this is how... God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son that so everyone who believes in Him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. And so the purpose of Jesus' coming was to cause us not to perish but have eternal life. Okay? And something we've drilled in from the beginning of Grace Life is what is eternal life? It's not just living forever. It's a, a, a defined in John 17 verse 3 which says this is life eternal that they might know Thee, the tr only true God, <coughs> and Jesus Christ whom You've sent. So what does it mean to know God? Because now if Christianity is eternal life, which is knowing God, what is knowing God? This is really important, because I think in a lot of church circles and in our circles as well, we've missed it completely. Okay, let me say this. We've missed it a bit. <laughs> Not completely. Because it, it is about relationship. But eternal life is, is knowing God, but we've come to accept this as it's about my personal relationship with God. Do you know that nowhere in the Bible is the phrase personal relationship with God? <laughs> you know, when you read through the book of Acts, 
which records the history of the early church, you never see the early church asking people to invite Jesus into their hearts so that they can have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not about that. And yet that's what we've made Christianity about and that's why the church is in the state that it's in. That's why three billion people are unreached. And that's why the richest church in the world in North America spends, I know of one church that spent 50 million on a sound system. I know of another church, a friend of mine was working for them and uh, he said, you know, we've got a million rand missions budget. Million dollars, sorry. And he said to me, you know, um, when I hear about what you guys are doing and wanting to do, I need to try and convince them to give money to you because I can guarantee you that money is not leaving America. A million rand invested into reaching the reached. Let me just say, we, we, the unreached is where uh, there's less than 2% Christians. The people don't have access to a church, a Christian, or a Bible. Okay, that's what we define unreached as. Reached means there's churches everywhere, and uh, uh, it's, uh, every, someone, uh, an unbeliever would have met a Christian, would have access to a church, would have access to a Bible, and that the church in that area can do the job. Okay, so whilst there are unbelievers in Piketburg, Piketburg is phrased as reached, or uh, labeled as reached. South Africa is labeled as reached. Okay, because the church is equipped and has what it takes to be able to get the job done. Okay? But um, uh, 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 the whole idea of personal relationship, I think, is, has caused it to be more uh, self-centered in a sense of even, um, I'm going to reach my Jerusalem. Because Acts 1.8 says, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so people use it as a, an excuse and say, I'm called to my Jerusalem, to where I live. That's not what the Bible says. It says, you're called to Jerusalem and Judea. It doesn't say then Judea. It says and Judea and Samaria, not then Samaria. So it's not, we're going to start at home, and then once we've reached home, we're going to reach the world. It's reach the world all the same time, where you are and where you're not. That's the call, okay? But this concept of a, a personal relationship with God is still biblical because you see people in the Bible having a personal relationship with God, okay? Be and it's a significant aspect of our, uh, our salvation because it's coming into communion with the Father, having relationship in, uh, with Him in the Spirit. But here's the thing, it's never a private matter, it's never a private matter. You know, some people, by the idea of personal relationship with God, they mean private. My private relationship with Jesus. Okay? It's never private. Our faith in Jesus is public. It's uh, communal. It's not individualistic. Your faith in Jesus can only be lived out in community. If you read the Bible, that's all you see. You can't argue it any other way. I, I was thinking about it. I've read the book of Acts many times, and I don't remember in any situation a believer sitting by themselves somewhere in a corner, not interacting with the church, not interacting with the world, and just saying, I'm just going to enjoy Jesus. I'm just going to enjoy my time of prayer. Whenever you see prayer time in the book of Acts, a believer is motivated towards mission. And something was the result of that. 
Obviously, it blessed them to commune with the Father, but then something else happened and they were pushed in a different direction. Okay, so you know, by personal relationship with God, we, we, we often mean individualistic. Uh, uh, we don't see that in the Bible either. When we get saved, we're, we're saved into relationship with God and relationship with each other. Okay? We, we're saved into community of faith. Not just saved from our personal sins. And this is, this is what's gripped the church. is an individualistic, self-centered gospel which renders the church passive, uh, apathetic, and useless in completing the work that God's given us to, get, to, to do. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, or if you want to say from the Garden of Eden to the New Jerusalem, the idea of our Creator, uh, uh, the, uh, there's the idea of our Creator wanting to dwell with and relate with humanity and, and connect with us and have fellowship with us, most certainly. So that is a part of the, the, the salvation experience, is knowing God, having intimacy with Him. But why? There's more to it than just me and Jesus get to have a great time. There's much more than that. Okay? <coughs> you know, some people who say, I've got a great relationship with Jesus. I'm trying to remember, there's someone that, that I recently had a conversation with this about. And they, um, their life is a, is a mess. And they were saying to me, yes, but my relationship with God is great. And I said, by the fruit in your life or the lack thereof, I can guarantee you, your relationship with Jesus is nowhere. He's fine towards you, but you're definitely not fine towards Him. You know, that's, what fruits are we showing in our relationship because of our relationship with God? John 17, verse 3, <clears throat> King James, This is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. So, eternal life is knowing God, but let's unpack what this eternal life is and what knowing God is. Eternal life in the Greek is perpetual life of absolute fullness. Perpetual life of absolute fullness. The, 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 the life of God forever. Okay, the word know in the Thayer's Dictionary is a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse, which is talking about Adam knew Eve and they had a child. So it's talking about a fruitfulness. So now, because of your knowing God, your relationship with Him, there should be some kind of fruitfulness from that. What is the fruitfulness of your relationship with God? If there's no fruitfulness, then there's a problem. Okay? I like how the, the New, New Living Translation puts uh, John 17, 3. It says, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, uh, the one whom you send. So the way the NLT puts it, it's saying that the way to have eternal life is knowing God, knowing Jesus. So then we know Jesus and now we've got eternal life. So what is eternal life then? Because it can't just be, I have a relationship with God. It's got to be more than that. Okay? <coughs> um, Ezekiel 36. I love this because um, it's a, a, a prophesying about salvation. So let's look at what is the prophecy of salvation. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. 
and you will be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart will I give you. So new heart, it's like a new driving seat because what did Proverbs say? Out of the heart flow all the issues of life. So this is the driving seat, your heart. Out of the heart flows all the issues of life. That's why we need to guard our hearts, what we're allowing in our hearts, because what we allow in our hearts determines our direction, determines our focus, determines what we do in life. Okay? So uh, uh, God is saying here, I'll give you a new driving seat. I'm going to give you a new heart. And then he says, um, and a new spirit will I put within you. New spirit. Spirit being, I'm going to give you new life. Okay? I will take away the stony heart out of flesh and give you a heart of flesh and will put my spirit within you. So now he's not even just saying, I'm going to give you a new spirit. God is saying, I'm going to give you my spirit. Okay? I'm going to give you my spirit, not just a new spirit. And cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. That last section is really powerful. Okay, look at it with me there, the, the last section. It says, um, I'll, cause, uh, I'll put my spirit within you, and because my spirit's within you now, I'm going to cause you to walk. So Christianity isn't about <coughs> trying to live for God, trying to walk in God's ways. It's Him in you and through you. He causes us to go in a direction. He causes us to go in a new direction. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. So statutes talking about in God's ways, what He ordains, what He desires. He'll cause us to want to go in that direction. You still get to choose. Do I go there or don't I go there? Do I do this or don't I do this? But inside you've got this now Holy Spirit that is saying, hey, go and speak to that person. Go and bless that person. You know, and... It's, uh, it's difficult maybe in, in a place like uh, we live in South Africa where um, there's so many needy people, for example. And, you know, we, we, we must be careful because you can't say yes to everybody and helping everybody. But we've got to be careful that we don't deaden ourselves to the love of God within us that is reaching out to the people around us by always just automatically saying no. You know, because you, 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 someone might be asking for money and you can't give them money, but you can, you can give them a sandwich. So at least then you, you're allowing, and especially with, with kids and raising kids and, and demonstrating the love of God, we've got to make sure we're not just desensitizing them to the love of God in them wanting to reach out to people. Then he says, and, and, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. You know, it, I looked up in the Hebrew, keep my judgments, and it means to uphold my nature. So you're going to uphold my nature. What is God's nature? Justice. You're going to represent me. You're going to uphold His justice. You're going to uphold His nature, His goodness. How do we uphold His nature? It's by sharing His love. And so, for example, if I see someone who's sick, I pray, I minister healing to them. That's upholding God's nature. I see someone who's lost. I share the gospel with them so they can receive salvation. That's upholding his nature. His goodness flowing towards other people. Blessing someone with a sandwich or whatever the case is. So, here we see in Ezekiel 36, a, a prophecy of salvation. God wanting to dwell in you. That's awesome. That's relationship with God, right? Is having this, the, the, the Spirit of God now dwelling in us. John 7. 
John 7 verse 37 to 39. In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. <coughs> so Jesus isn't literally talking about drinking, right? Is it right? Is he talking about drinking physical water? No. He's talking about, it's a metaphor. Okay? Drinking would be believing, experiencing. Okay? Uh, so he's talking about, come unto him and drink. He that believes on me, so now he explains, on, explains it. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Have you seen any brothers or sisters in Christ just popping water out of themselves any day? It doesn't happen. So this is obviously metaphorical. This is, he's, he's using lang, word language. Okay. Now, when he said he's going to put my, I'm going to put my spirit within you, he's, this is what, what, what he's talking about. What Jesus is actually talking about now. Because water is always a picture for the Holy Spirit. And so I'll, I will put my spirit within you, and then the spirit will flow out of you. So that's what he's trying to show us. Okay, He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now he explains it. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And because Jesus was not yet glorified, there wasn't salvation yet. Okay, The Spirit had to, 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 to come at Pentecost uh, for, that, for that to start taking place. But here's the point with these two verses. <coughs> Salvation is the Spirit of God living in us. Okay, Ezekiel, you saw that. Salvation is the Spirit of God dwelling in us. That is eternal life. Jesus came to give you eternal life, which is the Spirit of God dwelling in us. That is a relationship. It's an intimate relationship. It's talking to God. It's Him talking to you. But it's also those rivers that start to flow out of you. It's not just a, a holy huddle, you Father, Son, Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay? It's something that's going to affect other people. Your relationship with God was never intended to be personal. In a sense of individualistic. In a sense of private. Okay? Colossians 2 verse 10, from the Passion. And our own completeness is now found in Him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. And He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. So, this is just showing us how much Spirit of God you actually have in you. Can you see how full you are as a believer? Can you see that you actually have an abundance? Most of us are experiencing in life as Christians, we feel that we're at a deficit. We feel that we, 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 we lack something. We don't feel like we have enough God. We don't feel like we, 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 um, uh, we are enough. But this verse is showing us that we are complete in Him. This verse is showing us that we're completely filled with God and that Christ's fullness overflows within us. That's how full you are as a Christian. You don't need to go to Bible school for that. This is because you said yes to Jesus. The way you start to experience this fullness is by coming to an understanding of what you've got as a Christian. That's why church is so important. 
and listening to good teaching and being in a community with like-minded believers which will continuously remind you and encourage you of who you are in Christ and what you've got. Okay? So you need to start seeing yourself as that you've got a surplus. You, you're, you're living in an abundance of Spirit of God within you. Even if you didn't pray in tongues for an hour, you've still got the Spirit of God in you. You might just not have experienced Him as much. But all you need to do is recognize, acknowledge that. The Spirit of God within you, which is eternal life. John 10.10, 10, from the Amplified. <coughs> you know, it, all, all these things that I'm saying are also the answer to whatever challenge and problem you're facing. Because now, you've got this relationship with God, you're full of His Spirit. Which means I'm facing a challenge at work, or a challenge with my children, or a challenge at the office, or whatever. Uh, a challenge uh, in the community. I can ask God for wisdom. Because I've got God with me. I can, I can talk to Him about what I'm facing, and, and get wisdom, and get creativity, and deal with things. Because He's with me, and I've got that relationship with Him. But it also means that when I come into contact with other people, I should naturally be blessing them. Because the Bible shows us I'm His ambassador, so when I'm coming into contact with someone, I'm representing God. So, what would God do in a situation? That's what I should do. But how can I think of myself like that? Well, because the Bible says I'm filled with the fullness of God. And so I should be spilling out Rivers of living water flowing out of me towards the people that I'm coming into contact with. So that wherever I go, there's no hopelessness. Because Jesus is the hope of the world and He lives in me, therefore I'm the hope of this nation. The hope of my community. The hope of my street. John 10.10 10, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. This is an awesome verse. Number one, it shows us that if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. God is only the author of good. He's not the author of bad. Okay? But one of the things that we've unfortunately done with this verse is turned Christianity into a self-centered, uh, 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 materialistic thing that we desire for ourselves. You know? God wants me to have an abundant life. And then we define abundant life according to our bank accounts, and according to our furniture, and according to our clothes, and according to our car, and according to our whatever. Whereas this is not defined in material terms at all. Jesus is talking about salvation. He's come to give us abundant life. Abundant life is salvation. Okay? Now what is this abundant life? He's talking about the Spirit of God, eternal life, dwelling in you. And then streams of living water flowing through you. That's abundance. He's not talking about your bread basket being filled to overflowing so that you can always give money and bread to other people. That would be lovely. But sometimes your bread basket isn't full. Sometimes your bank account isn't full. Why? Is it because you don't have faith? Is it because God doesn't love you? Is it because you're a bad Christian? No. More money doesn't mean you've got more faith. It means you had more opportunity, you worked hard or something. But it, it's not, money isn't an indication of God's favor. <laughs> money is not an indication of God's approval. You know how I know that? On Instagram, I follow a lot of 
crooked uh, uh, ministers to remind me of uh, 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 what I'm up against. One of these crooked ministers, I met him when I was in Zimbabwe. So I know him. I've met him a couple times. And he's growing in popularity. He's rolling in money, this guy. He's living in the UK now, and he's just flowing. And all he does is talk about money, and you know, he's a billionaire, and this and that, the next thing. And yet, you know, he, he doesn't talk about Jesus or the gospel much. I can tell you now, God's not approving of his ministry at all. How do I know? Because I don't even think he's born again. Because I asked him, when did you get saved? And he couldn't answer the question. You know, what, I, what I'm trying to show you is that just be, you, you shouldn't feel bad because your bank account is empty. <laughs> Don't feel like it's an indication of your faith or lack thereof. You know, what is, you know, put your hand to work in the right opportunity, in the right direction, and money comes. You know, when, when, when we feel God's leading us to do something, just because there's no money... We don't go, oh, we must have missed God on that one. Yeah. We, we like, God wants this to happen. His will doesn't automatically come to pass. We better pray about how to, to help with this. We've, we've been, been, been faced with situations where we like go on this mission trip, go on that mission trip, ministry trip, and we always pray, God, how do you want to finance this? And I remember one or two trips where we just sold a car. We're like, Lord, we love this car. <laughs> it's very helpful to have a car. But we just were like, okay, let's sell it because God said that's, that's your tickets. So we sell the car, we buy our tickets, we come back with no car, but then God provides and, and we, we, you know, we're either borrowing a car or we, we end up being given a car or something. But it's like we're not going to let money hold us back because money isn't an indication of God's approval. So what is he talking about with abundant life? He's talking about the Spirit of God. If you have a bank account full of money, you can still, even if you're giving that money away, you might still not be a blessing. Why? Because the only thing that can bless people truly is the Spirit of God. And if you're a Christian, you've got the Spirit of God, now you're set up to be a blessing to the world. God says to Abram, I think it's uh, Genesis 12 verse 2, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Do you know what? Abraham was rich at that time. If you go and study it out, it, Abraham wasn't poor. He had money. And yet God says to him, I'm going to bless you. We look at that and we're like, God's saying to Abraham, I'm going to give you lots of money so you can be a blessing to the nations. No, 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 no. It's a prophecy of salvation. I'm going to bless you with the Spirit and then you'll be a blessing to the entire world. That's what God wants to do with the church. You know how many people coming out of the prosperity gospel... In, in Grace Life even, come to me and say, why is the world richer than the church? I mean, that's a no-brainer. They, they, they're asking the wrong question. The richest people in the world aren't Christian. Why? Because sometimes they lie and steal and cheat and they get money. <laughs> you know, some Christians do that too, but that's a different story. <laughs> the point is, I mean, you know, someone's on their deathbed, their money can't help them. Your money can't help them. The gospel, gospel can set them up for eternity. So you've got the Spirit of God empowering you to give them a message which can help them when they close their eyes, open their eyes in, in eternity. But you've also got the Spirit of God in you, which is the power of Jesus to be able to heal that person. 
And so you can trust God for healing in that situation and see a miracle. Money can't buy that. Okay? So abundant life is God's Spirit in you and God's Spirit flowing out of you. Look at the Passion Translation. I like how it puts John 10.10. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. And then it defines that. Life in its full, fullness until you overflow. God's desire is that you overflow with the Spirit of God, with eternal life. You receive eternal life to become a custodian of that eternal life. The Spirit of God is eternal life. The Spirit of God living in you. <clears throat> so, let me move on quickly. Our purpose is not just relationship with God, but being a blessing to the world and our relationship with each other. Our relationship with Jesus is not private, it's communal. And that is, at the, at, uh, that is the center of gravity in our relationship with Jesus uh, is in the church. It's not in your heart. It's not on the mountain. Okay, it's not at the beach. You know, it's, it's not in your prayer closet. Your, the, the center of your, uh, um, your relationship with Jesus is in the local gathering. The local gathering in this, what we're experiencing right now. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made Him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is His body. Yeah, and, and you can read on there. You know, the fullness of God is not in your individualistic heart. <coughs> we read through, read through Ephesians. He's speaking to the church. He's not speaking to chart or one individual here and there. He's speaking to the group of believers. Okay? It's the church, the messy gathering of believers who are broken sometimes and struggling and uh, difficult to get along with <laughs> where the fullness of God dwells. And yes, He lives in you. He lives in me. But now we're, we're power-packed in this room. Now, Paul goes on to, to call this church the temple of the Lord where you are also being built into a dwelling place by the Spirit of God. In another verse he says you're being filled with the fullness of God. Okay? He gave spiritual gifts to the church, not to the individual Christian. I'm trying to show you, you can't be a Christian by yourself. It's the fullness of God, not just in you, not just in me, but in us. Okay? Yeah, a lot of people say, I don't go to church because I am the church. We are the church. You can't be the church by yourself. You can be a believer by yourself, but we are the church. Okay? The New Testament, if you read through it, it, it just, it's just community, community, community everywhere. They ate together. They prayed together. They, they were listening to teachings or going through teachings together. Our faith, our personal relationship with Jesus is inconceivable. You can't actually understand it apart from community. Christianity is community. Okay? The New Testament doesn't know anything about just trust. You know, it's just me and Jesus. You read through the New Testament, there's no just me and Jesus. Instead, we see a, a, a corporate life together. We see Christian life in community. We see people looking after one another. People doing mission together. So the Spirit of God in us unites us. We're one with each other, and now we live in community with each other. 
Okay? <clears throat> Being part of a local church is not optional. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some, are, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing nearer. So in the end times, people are going to stop coming to church. Why? Because self-centeredness is going to rise in the end times. So you need to guard against self-centeredness in the end times. Why? Because the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you needs you. And you need them. And together the world needs us. Because we can't reach the world unless we do it together. Okay? When we look through the book of Acts, we see the importance of community. The church gathered frequently. It wasn't merely uh, a, a, just a church gathered as a holy huddle. It was the church that lived on mission, and hear this, in the face of persecution. There was a call to believe, people responded, and then they boldly went and lived out their faith, even though they could lose their lives for it. The early church demonstrated kingdom living through selflessness and generosity towards each other and the mission. The one, the one part in Acts, it says that there was no needy among them. Why? Because believers were self, selflessly and out of their own free will just coming with their money. They sold stuff, they brought it, and they were like, here we go, apostles, you can distribute this among the needy. And so they were looking after each other. That's amazing. That shows the power of community. And then obviously you've got a poor church like Macedonia that was struggling, and they're taking up an offering and giving it to Paul to be able to go and do missions. Because they're like, we believe in this. We want to reach the world. You know, our purpose is not just relationship with each other, but relationship with each other for the purpose of God's glory. We're not just here to build a holy huddle of community that's just going to sing Kumbaya until Jesus comes, uh, until we leave. <laughs> but we're here for the glory of God. Okay? Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. This is what I said to William yesterday. Worship is our purpose. Worship is our purpose. Missions exists because worship doesn't. So now we go out into the world to share the gospel with people, the gospel that's impacted us, so that they will worship God with us. And I'm not talking about sing-song. Okay? I'm talking about a life of worship. We're going to look at that in a sec. But when we, as the redeemed, are on our faces around the throne one day, there will be no need for missions. No one's going to have to go into all the world and preach the gospel or make disciples when we're uh, uh, worshiping Jesus for eternity. Missions is temporal. Worship is eternal. Worship is therefore the fuel and goal of missions. The goal of missions because uh, uh, worship is the goal of missions because in missions we're simply aiming to bring the nations into the enjoyment of God's glory. Into a life of re relationship with Him. The goal of missions is the gladness of the people in the goodness of God. It's not just to get people saved. It's for them to be in this, this relationship with Him. 
This isn't up there, but Psalm 70, 97 verse 1 says, Let the, uh, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let many coastlands be glad. Okay? Another one, Psalm 67, says, that, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. This is why we do missions. So that people will worship God. So that people will join us in, in connecting and worshiping God. Worship is also the fuel of missions. The reason why we go is because we're overflowing. Okay? Passion for God in worship is what births a powerful message about God. A preacher can only be as passionate about something that's impacted them. And so for us, if the gospel hasn't impacted us, we're no good for missions. But if it's impacted us, and we've allowed it to impact us, then we can share that. You don't have to know the whole Bible, but you can share what's impacted you with someone. Okay? You can't commend what you don't cherish. Missionaries will never call out, let the nations be glad, unless they can truly say, I rejoice in the Lord. Believers cannot talk about, come to Jesus unless we ourselves are enjoying Jesus. Some, of, some people on the streets don't look like they're enjoying Jesus when they're trying to win, win people on the streets for Jesus, right? Missions begins and ends in worship. But what is worship? Romans 12.1, we're coming in for a landing. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. So worship is a yes, Lord, life. Worship is a I'll do what you want, Lord. I'll go where you want, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Yes, Lord. It, 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 you see it in the Word and you, you do it. I sat with a, 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 someone in discipleship a while back. And uh, they were in a situation, in a, in, a neg in a bad relationship that you know, they shouldn't have been in. And uh, they couldn't see why there was anything wrong with it. So I, I showed them in the Word why it was wrong, and I said, now you've got a choice. Do I obey God or not? I was like, you can't decide but grace. You've got to say, yes, Lord, or no, Lord. Like, that, that's, his, that's worship. Even though you sing nice on Sunday, this is worship. Yes, Lord, or no, Lord is not worship. Okay. Yeah, this is the part of the gospel message that we don't really focus on. Because we want people to come to Jesus so bad that we leave out the commitment part of this is your whole life now. Because what is Christianity? It's yes, Lord. It's not a, I've got my fire insurance, I'm good to go. Now because of the grace of God, I can live the life I want to live. I can live my best life forever. No, 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 no. What is it now? I've, I've said yes, Lord, and now I'm going to live yes, Lord. Okay? Here's one of those favorite verses. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. This is Christianity. It's, it's denying myself and saying, what you want, I'll do it. That's the purpose of Christianity, is living for the glory of God. How do we live for the glory of God? What do you want, Lord? Yes, Lord. Yeah. In order to have that, you've got to have relationship with Him. 
You've got to hear His voice. You've got to know Him from the, through the Word. And then we live in that place of, yes, Lord. You know, why do I go, uh, uh, why am I going, I'm going for over a month to, to Europe for, for, for mission. Why am I doing that? Because I love traveling? Not really. Why do I do that? Because I love seeing new places? No. It's uncomfortable. It's not nice to be away from the family for long periods of time. I'll, I'll see them for a bit of that. But it's, not, it's, it's because I know that, that that's what God wants. I know that He wants me to go and He wants me to connect to all the different pastors that we've got connections with there and to be able to minister and try and see how we can expand the kingdom. You know, it would be much easier to stay home. Much easier. Much, much easier. But what is Christianity? Galatians 2.20 I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's Christianity. You know, I'm, I'm not doing what I want, I'm doing what He wants. True Christianity is I've died and I live for Jesus. How do I live for Jesus? According to His Word, the way He wants me to live, but then also, um, uh, 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 in uh, wh where should I go? How should I spend my money? How, whatever, things like that. I was sitting with a guy once and, and he was asking a question for a friend. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was really for a friend, but it was a case of... Um, um, I don't know how to explain this except just to say it the way he said it. So it's like if, if I feel like I'm a, 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 a woman trapped in a man's body, which a lot of people feel like that, he's like, you know, if I feel like that, um, is it wrong? And I was like, yes. And he's like, but how can, but, but what about what I feel? I just, my, my feelings, I have feelings for this, this person or that person and it doesn't matter, does it? Because you can't deny what you feel. And I was like, well, actually, you've got a verse for that. <laughs> I was like, the verse is this. Jesus said, if you want to follow him, deny yourself. So you might, like, you, know, you, you might like eating rat poison, but it's bad for you. Don't do it. Deny yourself. Deny yourself what's not good for you. You know, you might like overindulging in, in, in something that's bad for you. Stop it. <laughs> Like, it's deny yourself. No, but that's not very nice. Jesus said it. Deny yourself. Choose what's right. It's, it's amazing that we've made Christianity into a self-serve, serving man-centered thing. Two more verses, Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You're either seeking God's kingdom first, or you're not. You know, I've, I've got a very dear friend who's a minister and travels and ministers a lot and stuff. And I love him. But he, he, he likes this statement, saying this statement when, even when he ministers, is that you can feel as close to God on the golf course on a Sunday morning, than, closer to God sometimes in the, on the golf course on a Sunday morning than you would in some churches. And it's true, but he uses that as an excuse to play golf on a Sunday morning sometimes. Selah. How do you how do you know you're seeking God's kingdom first or you're seeking your kingdom first? Well, look at how you spend your time and your money. Those are two great things. Now, you guys are here this morning on a Sunday morning when you could be sleeping or doing gardening or something. So, I mean, I think you're one step up on that scale. So, well done. <laughs> okay? But it's like, you know, we're all going to get a, well done, a, a welcome home. 
Coming to church is not enough. It's just this is the training ground and this is the equipping ground to go out and overflow. Okay? This is where we're just stirring you up. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. God wishes all men to be saved and increasingly to perceive and recognize and discern and to know precisely the cor uh, and correctly the divine truth. So this shows the heart and will of God. Number one, He wants all men to be saved. And number two, discipleship. He wants people to increasingly perceive and recognize and discern and precisely know correctly the divine truth. That's discipleship. Okay? So He wants salvation and He wants people to grow in knowledge. This is God's desire. This is God's will. Now we're going to talk about purpose. Are your desires and your will aligned to His? Not just for your life, but in, for other people. Because you know, His will, now th th this, this, was, this was a challenging thought for me, because we've got an individualistic approach to purpose and destiny. God's called you to be a doctor. God's called you to be a businessman. God's called you to be a whatever. No, He hasn't. <laughs> I've, I, I, has He called someone to be a, a, a garbage removal person? Why would God call someone to be a garbage removal person and another person a CEO or another person a king? I don't understand why God has favorites. Because I, I really wouldn't want to be the garbage removal person. I appreciate them, but I don't want to do that. So is it because God has favorites? Why would God call someone to, 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 to do one job and another one another job? You know why? Because God doesn't call you to do a job. <laughs> but we've got this, this idea that God's called you to do a job. No, no, no. He's called you to be His child. He's called you to be a believer. And He's called you to represent Him in all the earth. That's your purpose. However you do that, it's up to you. Okay? However you do that, it's up to you. What skills and uh, uh, giftings has He given you? Develop that. Develop that. Then you've got an interest in this field. Develop that interest. Get equipped for that. Then uh, you've got an opportunity. Because some people don't have opportunities and some people do. You can pray for favor and get opportunities. But what you do with your life is also dependent on your opportunities. I unfortunately never had the opportunity to be the king of England. <laughs> Born in the wrong family, in the wrong time, wrong place, everything. That, that's not going to happen for me. Unless I can raise an army. <laughs> Do I have anyone wanting to enlist? You know, the point is, is that we, 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 you, what you do with your life is dependent on opportunities and skills and things like that. Some people, the only opportunity that they have is to waiter. That's not God's will for them, but they can fulfill God's will for them while they waiter in representing Him. You see, we've got the wrong perspective on purpose and destiny. And we need to change that so that we live for His purposes and it's for His glory. You can do anything. I mean, some people feel like I'm called to start a business and God's calling me to start this business and, it's to, uh, 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 and they created Kodak Film for cameras. And they were like, wow, God's called me to make Kodak Film and now no one uses it. So did God change His mind about your purpose? No. But there's no more opportunity for Kodak Film. Now what? And you see what I mean? During COVID, a lot of businesses closed down. Why? Because they weren't needed anymore. 
some churches too. So we need, it's about prioritizing. Seeking first his kingdom, prioritizing what he wants. And this is the point I wanted to make with all of that. His will and purpose for your life will never be separated from his. His will and purpose is all saved and come to a knowledge. His will and purpose for your life will never be separated from his. Okay? It's about prioritizing the king and his kingdom. I like this a quote from Henry uh, Martin. It says, The Spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. And then it was said that as Henry Martin began the last year of his life, he wrote, this is what he wrote, To all appearance, the, the present year will be more perilous than any other I have seen. He's saying the year ahead is going to be the worst year I've had. That's faith. But you understand why in a moment. He says, but I live to complete the Persian New Testament. He was living in, in Turkey. And he said that he, his purpose is to complete the New Testament in, in, in their language. Translating it. He said, my life after that will be less important. But whether life or death be mine, may Christ be magnified in me. If he has work for me to do, I cannot die. And at the end of that year, he died. Some of you are thinking, well, he didn't have faith to live. <laughs> he was just living for the glory of God, that's all. And he was like, my purpose is to, to, to translate the, the New Testament into the Persian language so that the people can be reached, and then I'm done. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Amplified, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of, God, uh, of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, wholly devoted and consecrated and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. The nations need to hear about the good God that we have, about the gift of eternal life through Jesus. We're all called to be part of His mission and proclaim Him and His salvation uh, so that the nations will be glad and the nations will be rejoicing. Yes, God loves you. Yes, if you were the last person of, on earth, He would have died for you. Yes, God wants you to be well. He wants you to, to be looked after. He wants you to prosper. But why? <laughs> why? It's not just because of you. It's, we, we live in community and there's a world to reach. You know, as Christians, we're either praying for the harvest, we're either giving to the mission field, we're either going on the mission field, or we're disobedient. There's no other option. You're praying, you're giving, you're going, or you're not obeying. You're disobedient. And God still loves you. You can still have a good life. But the most satisfaction you'll ever get is living for the glory of God. God wants you healed. God wants you well. We can pray for you. All of that. I believe it. But there's a world to reach. Amen? Father, I want to thank you that even though we are children and uh, we can enjoy life with you, they, they, you've called us to a greater purpose than just living for ourselves, but living for your glory, Father. And I just, I just thank you right now that 
we would just be overwhelmed by your love and your goodness. That we would be overwhelmed by your mercies, what you've done for us. Father, I thank you that you've completely forgiven us. As far as the east is from the west, you've removed our sin from us. I thank you, Father, that we, we're not just serving you, but we're, we're one with you. Thank you that your love for us is without any condition. Based on that, Father, based on your love, based on your goodness, based on, 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 on what you've done for us and what you've given us, we offer ourselves to you as an act of worship. We say, Father, have your way with us. We say, Father, send us where you want to, lead us how you want us, to, uh, uh, how you want Whatever's on your heart for us and, and whatever you're wanting to accomplish with our lives, Father, here we are. Whether it's praying, whether it's giving, whether it's going, whether it's all three, Father, we want to live for your glory. Thank you that as a ministry as well, as Grace Life, we can stand together and, 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 and make that our purpose too. Not just to build nice churches where people like to attend and where we can feel good because we're hearing good word but, and we have good relationships, but we can build churches which will equip people to live a life of purpose for your glory, Father. Thank you, Father, that you love us all so much and that you've got such great plans for all of us. And your plans for us are a part of your plan. That we can live in your purpose, in your plans. And be part of something significant and something extraordinary and something of eternal value, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Ons wil graag van jou hoor. Indien jy graag met iemand wil praat of saam met iemand wil bid, ontdek ons gerust by 021-8-0-0-168 of e-post ons by info at gruislife.co Indien jy materiaal wil bestel of meer oor ons wil uitvind, besoek gerust ons webwerf.